Praise the Lord, saints. Praise God. It's good to be here with you. Just want to encourage you a little bit this morning before we go in offering and pray a blessing for you. Uh, God, that's where our Father is. And there's a particular passage of scriptures, and it's actually coming out of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. And it says, To honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruit of all your increase, so shall your barns be filled with plenty, and your presses shall burst forth with new wine. And so I'm going to minister to you according to some experience. And I have found our father's faithful. And when he says he's going to do it, he really does. Uh, I do want to encourage you that sometimes when it comes to offering, it's easy to kind of get in the mindset that, okay, when I give, I'm expecting him to give like yesterday because, you know, microwave. You don't have to put the popcorn in there, but like about two minutes and it's done. And so I give this $20, $25 today. And I should be seeing about 2,500, 25,000, maybe 25 million, 2.5 million. I'll take that. And I want that by next week, Tuesday. And see, when that doesn't happen, then you're set up for disappointment. But I want to let you know that the Lord is faithful. Now, you might not see. It, may, it does take time. It's seed time and harvest. But I tell you, over time, if you just be faithful, and do this. The Lord really, he's going to, he has and he is going to bless you. But there is something that we are learning. I think it's something very valuable. And the word that really stood out to me in that passage is honor. And so I started doing like a little word search and finding out what that means because I figured I was kind of educated, but I said, let me go look in the dictionary again just to make sure. And so this takes a minute because first I said, honor says it's a high respect or great esteem, um, or it's an adherence to what is right or to a conventional standard of conduct, is regard with great respect, is to fulfill or keep an agreement. But then after that, when it showed another word, it said def deferential, and that means showing or expressing respect in high regard due to a superior. The word respect means a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something to admire deeply. And then I say, okay, so what does admire mean? Then that means to regard with respect of a warm or approval or to be amazed at. So then I say, what does amaze mean? That means greatly surprised or astonished. And then I say, okay, so what does astonished mean? It says to strike with sudden and uh, a usually great wonder or surprise. But where I'm driving at in all of this is just really talking about when we give, there's a certain attitude that the Lord really wants to develop in us. He's not making us do it, but he's already given an example to Christ. So when he walked the face of this earth, when he came down from heaven, he always honored the Father. He gave great respect. He had admiration. You could say he was astonished with our Father. He loved him. And because of that, he carried himself in a certain way. And this is the kind of trait that we are characteristic we want to develop in us as his children, his sons and daughters. He wants us to not only honor, which is the right thing to do, but to be honorable. That's becoming someone who could be honored. And see, that's what he wants us to do because we are representing the Father. We're representing Jesus. 
we're representing the Holy Spirit. And when others see us walking in a way that's honorable, really they're seeing because it all comes from the Father. The amazing thing about him, our God and our Father, um, we're blessed. He gives us the power to give blessed and give wealth, to complete and establish his covenant. I think about him, though, he gives us the ability. So everything that we have is from him. And then we give a part. He doesn't want us to have the attitude, okay, I got to. Well, he's already done this. I got to get my tithe. If I don't get my tithe, he's going to make holes in my pocket. And I'm going to have problems with my car, my refrigerator, with my washing machine, my dishwasher. He's going to curse me with a curse. Now, I grew up learning that stuff from the world. It's not right. No, but what he wants us to get out of this is to learn how to be honorable. Because he is honor, and it comes from him. And so he wants that to be in us because we are his ambassadors. We are his sons and his daughters. And so every time we come down and when we give, when we give, we need to really check it. It's not just an outward showing. It's kind of like the baptism. When you're baptized in water, that's an outward show of an inward change. But really, the action is the inward changes with the key emphasis should be on. And he's, he's concerned about the heart. And so he's not just wanting us to be changed on the outside, what we give so people can see and say, wow, this guy gives a lot. But he wants us to have the right heart of honor. And we need to honor him. But there's a blessing when we get this right and we learn how to honor him for who he is and what he has done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do. Now, see, he knows everyone on our path, he knows everyone of your needs. And so he said, I supply all your need according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And he has the earth because the earth is his in the fullness thereof. He doesn't have to create anything in this earth to fulfill your need. It's already here. He just brings it to you or reveals it to you. But he's the one that does it. Now, he can. But the thing is, the blessing is to get it right about how we honor him. And then we honor also the body of Christ, the people of God. And as we're doing that, he said, now that's how it's going to be in heaven. But now we don't have to wait till we get to heaven to walk in this way, in this light. Now he wants us to do that now because these are the people who need to see that. They don't know him yet. And see, when you walk honorably before the Lord, people see it. They might not say anything to you ever, but they're going to note that. And you know, because you're walking honorably before the Lord and our Father, in the Lord Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit, then somebody, the Lord could bring someone else to these people, and they're coming. And so we're in a time now where there's a great awakening, and we have a time where there's going to be a great harvest. We're in it. And so now when we walk in this, we're going to share that with them. And you know, our God is a force multiplier. He likes to take away maybe a few and just turns it into thousands, hundreds, and go exponential. He's like that. And he's bringing it out in us. And when you give, he gives back exponentially. And it does not cause him any, he, he's not, ooh, that was too much. I think they overgive. You know, I, if you make a mistake and give too much money unto the Lord or give your substance or give your life to the Lord, he's got you covered. And he's going to make it more. And he knows the time when you're going to need that. And he has a way of making sure you're going to be taken care of. And that's because he is a great father. So as we get ready to go forth in the offering, just want to be encouraged. It's not in vain.
You have a great father. There is nothing that you give that he does not return back to you. That may not always come back in dollars and cents, but it's going to come back because, you know, what can you pay the Lord back for salvation? What can we pay him back for healing? What can you pay him back for going to heaven and living there? We're not just visiting heaven, the city of heaven, every now and then. No, we will live there. And we'll have those who come into there to visit us. And that's something. So there are three ways you can give. You can give your offerings. Um, if you are writing your checks or you're doing it online, it could be hmichurch.com forward slash give. Or we have a bin right here, in the, a box in here in the back in the front. And also we have an ATM machine at the back. And I'm just going to pray a blessing for you. Call now what? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. My Lord, you say give and it shall be given unto us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. That the, with the same measure we meet, Lord, that it be measured to us. You said to bring all the tithe and offering to the storehouse, that it be meet in your house. And prove you now that you will give us the open to us the windows of heaven and pour us our blessing. We have not room enough to receive it all. And my God, we thank you because we're learning how to honor you. Lord, you're worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be respected. You're worthy to be admired. Lord, you are amazing to behold. And we thank you for what you have done in our life, what you're doing, and what you're going to do. Lord, you help us to be the head and not the tail, to be above only, not beneath, because you're commanded blessings upon your people. And in this, Father, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all can give at this time. God bless you. Okay, let's come get together. We've got a powerful man of God that's got a powerful message for us. Amen. We had a uh, part one, part B uh, last week, and when we had uh, Andrew minister, and he ministered the way he did, and the message he had, it just really touched my heart. So I came up and I asked him, well, you got to have part B, right? He looked at me, and I said, will you minister next week? He looked at me. And uh, jumped up and down and said, I was hoping no. <laughs> I tell you, it was just a blessing to hear, hear him share and, uh, the spirit that he brings into the church. So if you'd welcome Andrew and uh, just know something good's going to happen here. Testing, testing. All right. Praise the Lord. Good morning, church. How are y'all doing today? Awesome, blessed, and highly favored, and deeply loved. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So I got a message for you today, praise God, which is uh, going on to be... One second. There we go. All right. So uh, part two of my message today... Uh, so last week I spoke on purpose, uh, rediscovering the kingdom mandate for God's children. Uh, you know, we touched a lot in that message, you know, just speaking on, you know, the purpose that God has for each and every single individual, God's original intent for man and mankind, and, you know, just giving you a few pointers that you could take home in terms of uh, figuring out and discovering God's own specific purpose for your life. We know as the church, as a body of believers, that, you know, we have the, the general mandate that he's given to the ecclesia, 
uh, the Great Commission mandate, but within that, what is your specific role, part, arena, uh, you know, the field that he has for you, the promised land that he has for you uh, to move forward into, to have and possess and to take dominion over. And so we touched on that, and I gave you a few pointers uh, just to consider before we uh, finished last Sunday coming into this week. And so this week will be part two uh, of that message, uh, but I've, um, what's the word, I've changed the title, the Lord had me change the title, uh, and today we'll be speaking on the vision aspect of that purpose. So the title today is Vision, Your Gateway to Your Future. And so uh, the scriptures that we'll be uh, starting off with, the foundation scriptures, will be in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Uh, which reads, where there is no vision, the people perish. But happy is he, or but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. And that's in the King James Version. And I also like what the, uh, the New King James Version, uh, how it says it. It says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. So all restraint is cast off when you have no revelation, when you have no vision. And so just to cover the questions that I left you with last Sunday, the four questions that I had you ask yourself, uh, you know, in your prayer time with the Lord with respect to purpose uh, is this. The first question, what would you do if money wasn't an issue? And have you considered that? Money wasn't an issue at all. If you can do anything in the world, what would it be? Question number two was what makes you angry truly angry, or rather have that righteous indignation, something that you see that just really stirs up just a, a zeal to want to get something done, to want to do something, and actually have the courage to you yourself move forward and do it, and not rely on someone else to do it for you. Number three is, what is your passion? What are you passionate about? We all have a passion, even if we may not have discovered it yet. And so it's important to really spend that time with the Lord to understand, Lord, what is, what is the passion? What is the zeal? Uh, what is that that you've placed on the inside of me that you want me to pursue? And then number four was, what is your gift? What is your area of gifting? Which is something that we all have, whether we recognize it a lot or not. And what I mentioned last uh, Sunday was that sometimes when it comes to that area of gifting, uh, it seems so natural to us that we sometimes need someone else to recognize it in us. Um, and so you may have family or friends or just people around you that may recognize something in you when it comes to a specific area, specific field, uh, and you know, they really encourage you in that area, but to you, you're just like, oh, thank you so much. You know, it doesn't really seem like a big deal to you, but that could be God trying to highlight to you some of the things that he's placed on the inside of you that he wants you to develop and cultivate and refine and to increase in more so that he can open more doors for you. And so, as we move into our message today on vision, I want to start by saying purpose and vision, they're connected. The two are connected. It's difficult. You can't have one without the other, to be honest. And both are in the heart of man. And so, as you're answering these questions for your own life, the four questions that I mentioned on purpose, what it will do for you is it'll begin to produce a vision. You'll begin to see something in your life and that's through your imagination, all right? And so that's what it's supposed to do, and I hope that some of you actually took the time to do that. If you 
don't know what your purpose is already or a vision, or if you don't have a vision for your life, uh, you know, really take the time to, to do that because that's something that I believe that God wants all of us to really, you know, move forward in the arena that he has for us. And so the explanation that I have here for uh, what is vision, and I'll start with a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, which reads, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so with that scripture, I want you to begin to differentiate your sight, what you're seeing through your natural and physical eyes, as opposed to vision, which is what you're seeing through your spiritual eyes, through the mental picture, through the power of the imagination. All right? And sight would deal with the temporal. That's what I see right now. I see all of you right now in front of me as I'm preaching this message. But through the eternal, I see leaders, I see kings, I see a royal priesthood, I see the family of God. Amen? And so try to differentiate the sight from the vision aspect. So what is vision? And the definition that I have for vision here is vision is an internal, clear, mental image of a preferable future, something that you see in your heart, something through the imagination. And I want to touch on why is vision important? And I spent a lot of time, you know, seeking the Lord with respect to this, and I believe that he gave me uh, 10, 10 focuses on why vision is important. And so what I want to do is I want to touch briefly on each of them, and then I want to share a testimony on how that relates in my life. All right? And so why is vision important? Number one, vision determines your future. What you see is what you become. And that stands on the scripture that we just mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. And number two, vision creates passion, a zeal, an energetic enthusiasm, joy and excitement from seeing this, you know, this preferable future that God has for you. And from that, number three, it gives you a greater meaning and sense of purpose in your life. And that's, that's key. You don't want to end up like um, Solomon in Ecclesiastes, where he just lost all focus, all purpose, and everything was just vanity upon vanities. Nothing made sense. Everything was, uh, you know, worthless, useless in his eyes. But we know that God has given each of us something that has that meaning, has that purpose, and gives value, more value uh, to our lives in addition to what we receive through the blood of Jesus. And number four, that vision will drive you. When you see, when you see what God has for you, the passion that it stirs up on the inside of you, the zeal, it'll just give you that drive to want to go after it and pursue it with all of your heart. And from it driving you, number five, it should spur growth on the inside of you because the vision that God has for you you know where you are right now, you need to get a whole lot. There's a lot of growth to be able to attain the vision that God has for you, the purpose that he has for you. And number five, or number six, I should say, vision, it keeps you focused. Now, as we're moving forward in the purpose and the destiny that God has for us, the vision that we see, not everything will be uh, I like to say peaches and cream or, or just a smooth sailing ride. You know, there will be trials, there will be tribulations, there will be hiccups, there will be setbacks. But so long as you keep 
that vision in front of you, it will keep you focused on the end goal so that no matter what happens, no matter what situation or circumstances, we can continue to move forward towards the prize, towards the end goal that we see because we know that's what God has for us. Amen? And number seven, it keeps you disciplined. And that's a, that's a very uh, powerful point. And that is something that I'll touch on a little bit more uh, after this. But the discipline that comes with your vision is key. Because once you see what your vision is, there are certain things that you will do. There's certain things that you won't do. Uh, and just a whole lot more that comes with that. And so when you tie that into number eight, it reads, you can live your life with greater intentionality, meaning you have greater structure now to your life now that you see what God has for you. And number nine, it will give you boundaries. And these boundaries uh, will be things that, you know, you'll, you'll start to pay attention to what is beneficial to me towards the vision that God has for me and what do I need to let go of because that won't suit me with where God is leading me and directing me to. And number 10, it develops patience. Because the vision won't happen overnight. I've tried it. It doesn't work. I wish it did, but it doesn't. Sometimes, a lot of times, actually, especially when it's a God vision, it will take years. Uh, and so learning to practice patience throughout all of that, uh, as well as implementing everything that God has for you to move forward towards that vision is important and it is key. And so I want to touch on... Uh, Something else. Before I touch on that, though, let's, uh, let me give you another scripture that the Lord uh, placed on my heart for that. That's in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, which reads, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And so that ties into the patience part. But uh, in that verse where it says, uh, though it tarries, wait for it, that waiting for it. When I looked that up in the Hebrew, one of the definitions that it had was uh, waiting as, as in an ambush. And when you're waiting as if you're in an ambush, as, as if you're about to ambush someone, you're waiting with that expectation. And not only are you uh, expectant, to do that ambush, but also you're prepared. And so that shows that there's an expectancy as well as a preparation for when that comes. Hallelujah. And so let's touch on the discipline of vision. Hallelujah. And so I want to share a testimony in my life with respect to that because I believe that the discipline of vision is, is, is very key. And so for me, myself, um, I was an athlete growing up most of my, I guess, adolescent and teenage and young adult life. I did track and field. Um, and that was, that was my passion at the time. And so my dream and my vision as an athlete was to one day make it to the Olympics. Uh, and you know, that's many different professional athletes. They have different goals. If you're an American football player, then you know it's uh, to make it to the NFL. If you're a basketball player, it's to make it to the N uh, NBA. Uh, if you're a soccer player, or like we like to say in the Caribbean and the rest of the world, a football player, uh, <laughs> you know, then your goal is to make it to one of the top leagues, uh, like my favorite team, Manchester United. Uh, 
but unfortunately, living where I lived, uh, team sports weren't, uh, we had team sports, but it wasn't something that you can really uh, develop yourself into, really make it to that level of professionalism that we would desire. So uh, individual sports were the thing for us. And, you know, coming from Caribbean countries, you know, track and field seemed to be our thing. Uh, you know, the most popular nations for that is Jamaica. Everyone knows Usain Bolt, right? Um, so, you know, most Caribbean countries, when it comes to athletics, uh, you know, that's, that's what we're known for. But with athletics and the vision of making it to the Olympics, right? The discipline that came with that uh, was intense. In other words, the vision of that literally structured my whole life with respect to that one vision of making it to the Olympics. So let me explain. Uh, in high school and in college, the strictness, the regimen that I had to achieve that goal Training twice a day, Monday through Friday, waking up five o'clock in the morning to either go to the gym or to do some mileage. I was a, uh, I was a 400 meter and an 800 meter runner. So that's the one lap around the track, two laps around the track. And so there was a certain amount of mileage that I had to do every week, around 40 to 50 miles, uh, as well as the gym that I had to go to the gym maybe three times a week in addition to the track workouts that I did maybe four times out of the week. And so the strictness of the regimen to move towards that one goal, not only in high school, but also in college and even a little bit after college. And we're not even just talking about the training regimen, but let's talk about the diet. Because we have to stay a certain weight class, a certain, you know, size because especially as a quarter miler, as a half a miler, you know, I can't eat junk food the day before a race. Maybe some people can get away with it, but I couldn't. And so the strictness of, of the diet to make sure that I was putting the right amount of nutrients in my body to fuel my body uh, to its best potential to be able to not only train properly, but also compete properly. All of this attached to that one vision, right? Now, Let's go into relationships. There's some relationships that I could hang around during that time that I couldn't when I was focused on the prize and on the goal because some people just, you know, would waste my time. They want to go and party. I can't go and party. I got to wake up 5 o'clock in the morning to go and train. So there's certain, it, it, it created the boundaries. It gave the discipline. It allowed me to live my life with more intentionality. It just, it really structured my whole life towards this one goal. And that's the power of what vision has. And so imagine if you don't have any vision at all. Where do you end up? What are you doing? You're just allowing life to carry you by. Or not only that, but like I mentioned last week, you're allowing someone else to give you their vision so that you can accomplish it for them. You can help them accomplish their vision because you have none of your own. And so this is a very powerful principle and key. And I'd also like to add that with a vision, there's a lot of physical, mental, emotional, social, financial, and in some cases, spiritual sacrifice that goes into accomplishing and pursuing that vision. My example as an athlete is, is, is key to that. It covered all of those bases, even to a degree of, uh, of the spiritual aspect. 
but let's think about maybe even uh, individuals in other religions when it comes to the sacrifices that make. Think about Muslims and the spiritual sacrifices that they make to try to please their God. The prayer six times a day, the lacerations that they make on themselves whenever they sin. And the ones that commit jihad in the name of their God, Allah, with the promise of receiving, I don't know how many, 10 or 16 virgins when they go to heaven, something like that. All of those sacrifices towards a vision that was implanted on the inside of them. And so this is why this, this, uh, this aspect of, of, of the purpose is so important, is so strong, and is so powerful because it is the gateway to your future. If you have no vision, you perish. You cast off restraint. You're undisciplined. Hallelujah. And so with respect to my, my testimony uh, being a track athlete, there came a point when I was in university uh, doing, uh, I was a student athlete doing athletics uh, for the, um, the university that I was with. Um, and, you know, I, I guess I just came to the realization that my goal of making it to the, the Olympics was real far off compared to where I was uh, athletically, you know, with, with, with my talent. Uh, you know, my times were not anywhere near what they should be to accomplish this goal. Um, and, you know, I was frustrated at the time. I was disappointed. I was discouraged. And the reason why I share this is that I want to uh, share with you what happens when you begin to lose sight of the vision, right? And so as I was going through this, this time, I, I stopped focusing on the vision and I started focusing on the present. So in other words, I took my eyes off the eternal, and now they were focused on the temporal, which was everything that I was going through right now. Oh, man, these trainings are hard. I don't know how much more I can do this. I look at my other uh, training partners, that some of them didn't even train as hard as I did, but maybe because of the talent and the skill that they had, they would still end up, you know, beating me in races and stuff like that. That can be discouraging, super discouraging. And so all of this was going through my mind uh, as I was still trying to hold on to pursuing this vision, this goal, this dream of making the Olympics. But in the midst of that, I gave in to the frustration. I gave in to the discouragement. And as a result of that, guess what happened? The structure that I had built my life around eventually started to uh, loosen up. It started to deteriorate. Suddenly, I felt, you know what? If I want some junk food, I can eat some junk food. It ain't that big of a deal. My other friends that were going out to partying, why not go party? I'm in college. You know, you only get one opportunity to enjoy yourself in college. I don't want to miss the whole experience focusing on achieving this goal that doesn't even seem possible. And so eventually, I became undisciplined. And as a result of that, my training started to go down the drain. My times started to worsen. All of these because I began to lose sight and lose grip and hold of the vision. And so why do I say this? Because what I learned with that is that it really takes courage and 
perseverance to continue to move forward with what you believe to know to be true in your heart with respect to the goal, the dream, the vision that you have. Because like I said, it will not always be easy. And you will have those times of frustration. And I think about um, the Israelites when they're in the wilderness, just as they were about to go into the promised land. They sent forth the 12 spies into Canaan, into the land of promise. And they came back, you know, with the branches of the produce of the land. Beautiful, huge, amazing produce. But with that, you had 10 spies that were saying, there's, not, there's no chance. There are giants in the land. There's no way we can take it. Absolutely not. But then you had two that said, hey, we can possess this right now. Let's go for it. God is with us. But because of the words that the 10 spoke, the majority spoke to the rest of the people, the congregation, as a result of that, none of them were able to enter in, or at least those that were, I believe, 20 and older, in addition to Joshua and Caleb. And so it's important what you focus on. It's important what you believe and what you stand for, especially if it's from God. Because the vision that I had, that was just my own personal desire. I can't, I can't say that was a God-given vision, but it was just something that I desired because, uh, you know, I had an older brother who was a talented track athlete, and, you know, younger brother wanted to be like big brother, and so I pursued that, that arena as well, too. And it worked out great. There was, there was a, you know, it kept me disciplined. It didn't allow me to uh, enter into trouble like, you know, many other people could as a result of that. So it had its benefits. Uh, but at the end of the day, there was a point in time where I eventually let that go. And once I let that go, then God now was able to really uh, grab hold of me to really give me the true vision and purpose that he had for my life, which has brought me to where I am today. And so that's just the importance of the discipline of the vision, uh, receiving that vision from God, and then just moving forward in that. Amen? Hallelujah. And with that, I also want to give an example of... Uh, you know, the greatest example that we can give, and that's Jesus, Jesus Christ himself. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it reads, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I highlighted that specific area there. For the joy that was set before him, he was able to endure the cross, despise the shame, and because of that, he was able to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so he wasn't even focused on what was happening uh, in the temporal in his circumstances, when he was getting the lacerations on his body, when he had to carry the cross, when he had to get the nails in his hand and in his feet. His focus was elsewhere. What was it on? The eternal. It was on seeing me and you be brought back into relationship with the Father, back into the kingdom of God, being aligned with the true purpose that God had for us. And of course, as a result of that, he was glorified himself. And it's not even just the, the focus of, of just what he endured in that specific moment. But think about the fact that the patience that he had to be able to fulfill that and to achieve that. In Scripture, it shows from 12 years old, 
12 years old, he was about his father's business. 12 years old. That's incredible. And the fact that he had to wait another 18 years to really begin his ministry, that is some tense patience. And so, like I say, if you think it'll happen in a few weeks or a few months, God bless you. <laughs> we'll pray for you. Um, but through it all, uh, he, kept, he kept the vision, he kept the discipline, he kept the focus, and he was always about his, his father's business. And so I just want to encourage you guys with that, whatever it is that God has for you, to just stick with it, keep with it, trust the Lord, and he'll see you through it. Amen? Um, should I talk on this point? Thank you, Jesus. Well, I'll get back to this point a little bit later. Thank you, Lord. Um, and so I want to give some uh, practical steps on discovering the vision that God has for you. I mentioned it with respect to purpose, but it's like how do we now begin to cultivate that vision on the inside of us that goes with that purpose? And so number one I put is the Word of God. That is foundational. That is key. And that should always be at the forefront of anything. So why the Word of God? Well, first of all, the Word of God, it cleans us. It cleanses us and sanctifies us. So it gets the world out of us and brings the truth on the inside of us. And with that, the Word of God has, you know, just the fullness of the promises of God. It, the Word of God teaches you, first and foremost, your true identity. Because before you can move forward with the things that God has for you, you need to know who you are in Christ first. That is first and foremost. God told me, uh, I think it was maybe two years ago, he said, identity before ministry. If you don't know who you are, I can't move you forward on what I have for you. It would destroy you. And so you need to know who you are first and foremost. And so the word of God will reveal to you your identity. It will reveal to you the things that God has for you. It will reveal to you his love for you. And it will cleanse and sanctify you so that you're able to see through the right lens and the right frame uh, that God has for you and not from the world's pollution. The number two is prayer. That's important as well too. That's your communion and your intimacy with God. And prayer is a dialogue, not a monologue. And so it's not a matter of you sitting and telling God everything, but it's a matter of sitting and listening to what he has to say to you. The scripture in Psalms 46 verse 10 says, what? Be still and know that I am God. And so you have to take that time to be still, to sit, to listen, to hear, and to allow the Lord to begin to stir things up on the inside of you that he may have for you. And number three I have is meditation. What does meditation mean? It means to, to muse, to ponder, to mutter. And I also put this one is to become one with what you've received from God. And I'll better explain that uh, in the next step, which is the process of developing the vision. But you notice that all of these steps now, they tie into communion with God cultivating and building that relationship, that intimacy with him, because that's what it's all about. At the heart of everything that we do uh, as children of God, uh, ministry-wise, uh, you know, it all stems from our intimacy and our relationship with the Father. Uh, when I was at Karis, I believe it was Greg Moore uh, that said to us in a class, he said, your ministry is an overflow of your intimacy with God. 
And so why is that important? Because you can't give what you have not yet received. <laughs> you know, it's difficult to bless someone on an empty tack. So I got to be filled first with from the Lord, his love, his care, his compassion, his wisdom, and what I've received, then now I can pour that out to you, right? Because we're supposed to be vessels for him to use us, where we get ourselves out of the way and just allow him to be able to flow through us. Hallelujah. And a little disclaimer that I have with respect to that is that if you follow these steps, it's impossible for you not to begin to discern the vision which God has for you, the purpose that he has for you. And I'll repeat that, impossible. Spending time in intimacy with the Lord, it's impossible for him not to birth you with something. Amen? And so I encourage you to do that today. And if you think you haven't received anything when it comes to seeking the Lord for a vision uh, or purpose, I'll give a little bit of an explanation as to why. Um, thank you, Lord. And so we as, uh, we as human beings, we as people, you know, we hold certain levels of expectations when it comes to seeking the Lord uh, for certain things or maybe even testing certain things. So if it doesn't meet our expectations, then we've subconsciously pretty much just kind of kicked it to the curb and said, you know, that didn't work. So for example, if I were seeking the Lord for, Lord, what have you called me to do in my life? So I'm looking for him to give me a certain direction, but I may not, he may not necessarily give me that. So because I've not received anything from the Lord with respect to direction, then I just kind of, okay, that didn't work. Even though he may have actually given me something, but I just didn't discern or perceive or pick up what he was trying to give me at that point in time. And so what do I mean by that? And this ties into the process of developing your vision. And with that point, I say this, God may not always give you what you ask for, or better yet, what you expect at that moment, but only what you can manage. And so in terms of vision, right, if God were to reveal to you the fullness of what he had for you right now, the question is, are you able to handle that right now? Can you actually see yourself in the light that he has called you to be right now? Some of us may think we can, but a lot of times God knows best because he knows us better than we know ourselves. And so what he'll do is he'll start us with something small that we can, you know, begin to take hold of, begin to grasp, begin to believe, and to begin to meditate on that to become one with that before he opens us up to even more of showing us the things that he has for us. And when I was in, uh, when I was in uh, Karis as well, uh, we had a guest speaker that would come in. His name was uh, Greg Fritz. Yeah, any Karis students? Uh, hi, Greg Fritz. Yeah, all right. He had, there was a famous phrase that he used to say. I, I loved it, and I always stuck with it. He said, use what you have, do what you can, start where you are. And so the question is, how does that connect with vision? Well, what has God given you that you may not be aware of concerning the vision that he has for you? Because whatever he's given you with that, that's where he wants you to start. And from that, he'll begin to build the spiritual capacity on the inside of you to be able to handle more and to increase more the vision that he has for you. If we look in scripture, we can, we can, we can consider the story of uh, Gideon. Now, this was a time when the Midianites and the Amalekites, you know, they were oppressing the people of Israel. 
And the angel of the Lord comes to, to Gideon and says to him, O mighty man of valor, you know, I have called you to be the deliverer for the people of Israel. And what did, what did Gideon say at the time? He's like, me? I'm of the least of the tribe of Manasseh, and my family is the least of that tribe. So it's like, I'm the least of the least of the least, and you're calling me a mighty man of valor, and I'm supposed to deliver the people of Israel? Are you kidding me? Like, you know, and so the Lord had to do a work on the inside of him to get him to the place where he can actually walk out the purpose and the call that God has for him. And so that's why sometimes it can be the same case with us. And so this is what the Lord has done in my life with respect to uh, vision and developing the vision that he's given for me in a specific arena or even in terms of my purpose. And so how that started out for me um, was I didn't know specifically what God had called me to do at all, period. But this is what I had on the inside of me. I feel like I'm called to greatness. Just that. That was it. Greatness. I feel like there's something tremendous that you have for me, Lord, but I just don't know what it is. And so what did I do? I took that, that little bit, just the call to greatness, even though I didn't know specifically what it was, and I meditated that. I prayed on that. I asked God to give me scripture and not give me some kind of scripture that I can hold to with respect to that feeling that I have for greatness. And as I meditated that, and as I mused on it and spent time with the Lord on it, that seed was being implanted on the inside of me, and it was building my capacity. And as I became one with that to the point where I knew, now I didn't feel, now I knew, I know I'm called to do something great. I know I'm called to do something tremendous for the Lord. I don't know what it is, but I know it's something great and tremendous. From that, the Lord is saying, okay, now that you're comfortable in that, now I can begin to show you what that looks like. And so now he starts to plant more seeds on the inside of me. I receive a prophetic word from someone about a teaching ministry. Huh. Well, I never saw myself as a teacher. I don't like public speaking, but I know I'm called to greatness. So, mm, so what do I have to do now? Now I got to take that word and now I got to meditate that because that, that word is completely opposite of my personality right now. But I know I'm called to greatness. So Lord, if you call me to greatness and if it may be in the area of teaching and other areas, okay, I'll receive that. I'll bring it back to you. We can have a dialogue about it and I'll meditate it and I'll become one with that. And as I do that, then he increases more, right? Uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Uh, it reads, uh, basically it says, you know, he that is faithful uh, with little will also be faithful with much. He that is unjust with little will also be unjust with much. And so that little bit that I got, even though it wasn't anything specific, was still enough to allow the Lord to use that to grow and develop on the inside of me. And so some of you may not necessarily have a specific arena of knowing exactly what it is, but what has he given you that you know, that you know, that you know is just like churning on the inside of you right now. Mm. Man, I got to think for children, little children. I just have a heart for little children. Meditate that, and then he can reveal that to you. We had Erica, you know, tell us last week about being the governor of Colorado. I can tell you that she spent a lot of time in prayer 
and meditation to be able to get to the point where she can actually say that, not just privately, but publicly. You know, God really had to do a work on the inside of her to be able to build that capacity to be confident to say something like that. Because that is a big vision, that is a big dream, that is a big goal. And there may have been a point in time where she may have seen herself and, and the Lord may have spoken that to her and she said, that, are you kidding me? Ooh, you see, she's nodding her head. Okay, there we go. So, so, so that's, that's, that's a part of, of, of growing and developing uh, the vision that God has for you. And with that, I want to uh, give you a disclaimer with respect to this process, right? And that's that God will show you glimpses of your future, but he won't show you all the details to getting there. All right? And this is where the discipline and the faith kick in. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, when you get that vision and you begin to move forward to it, hallelujah. As you're moving forward to it, and, and you know, Pastor Dan Funkhauser, I'm sure he has experience with this. I have experience with this. Many people have experience with this. Um, but as you're moving forward towards the vision, you know, just the excitement that you see ahead of you, somewhere along the line, you'll take a step forward and you'll fall into a pit. And you don't know where that pit came from. <laughs> Example, Joseph. Joseph received the dream from God about how his brothers uh, would be bowing down to him. That was the first dream. The second dream was with his brothers as well as his mother and father, all bowing down to him in reverence. And, you know, he was excited about that. He didn't know what it looked like, but it was like, heck yeah, let's do this. And somewhere along the way, everything just turned upside down. And if you could think about how Joseph... Like, just think about the process of what he went through the, during that time. We know what the end result was. You know, we know exactly what happened to him. And the vision, did, the dream, the vision, it did come to pass. But imagine what it was like just going through that at that time. Lord, I thought that, you know, my brothers would honor, respect, revere me, bow down to me, my parents too, but they ended up throwing me in the pit, selling me to Ishmaelites, and now I'm a slave in Egypt. Like, did we need to have a conversation on how I thought this would did work out? Because I wasn't really picturing it like this. The process that I had with respect to the dream that you gave me was completely different to what actually ended up happening. And so, you know, he endures it. He's a slave, you know. He gets favor. The Lord was with him. And he eventually gets to a place that, hey, he's running the slaves, you know. And Potiphar leaves everything in, in, into his hands. And, you know, even though he's a slave, life is pretty good as a slave. But then, what happens? Potiphar's wife sees Joseph as, you know, attractive and wants to sleep with him. He resists because he honors God, and as a result of that, he gets thrown into prison. But Lord, I was honoring you, I was respecting you, 
I was doing the right thing, and as a result of that, I get thrown into prison. I'm sorry, did you want me to sleep with her? Like, now this is just me. Like, you know, this is 2022 version, right? This is not what happened in the Bible, but I'm just saying. <laughs> These are the thoughts that people can think sometimes, or at least, you know, when I'm spending time, I like to be real with the Lord. Um, but you think about those things, and everything is, is just completely opposite of what you would expect in terms of fulfilling the dream and the vision that God has for you. Another example, David. Now, David was the least of his family, but God turned him from an outcast into a broadcast. He anointed him to become king of Israel. Finally, David felt that things were going to really, you know, work out for him, you know? Um, and what happens to him? He's moving forward in the journey, has the favor of the Lord, ends up in the king's court. He's the minstrel to, to the king. Uh, he has a scenario with David and Goliath where he defeats Goliath. Now his name is known throughout all Israel. So now he gets the fame. He becomes captain over a thousand. Things are looking good for David. But Saul begins to become jealous. Now think about it. At that time, David, captain of the guard, he has a covenant with Jonathan, who is the son of the king, as well as either he was about to be or he was married to Saul's daughter. So he's already in with the family. Everything is good. You know, everything is just looking smooth, no issues, no complications. If I were David, in my mind, I would be like, Lord, I can see how you could work this out. You know, I'm married to, your do I'm married to the king's daughter. I have a covenant with the king's son. You know, I'm sure you can just give me some favor, rearrange certain things, and I could just smooth sail and become king. But no. What happens? Saul gets jealous, and Saul does everything that he can to try to kill David. To the point where David has to flee from Israel, ends up in the country of the Philistines, in the kingdom of God, where Goliath was from, and now he's living there. How backwards is that? completely upside down. And so now in David's mind, if I were David, because I'm not going to say this is what David did, but we can see a lot through the Psalms, you know, David really spoke his mind <laughs> in certain areas. Um, but thinking about that, I could say, Lord, I thought I was supposed to be king. Now I'm an outcast from my own country. Complete outcast to where now I'm living and pretty much almost serving the country where I defeated their champion. How? How can I even see this working itself out? And throughout that process, we know exactly what happened to where it actually did work itself out. But just going through the midst of it to, to, to experience everything that they experienced. And it's like I've come to the conclusion that as we're going through this journey, it's like God, you know, people like to say, you know, like we're focused on the end destination, but God is more concerned about the journey. You know, he likes the journey, the development, the character development, everything that happens to us during that time. Um, but it's like in all of those situations and circumstances, everything that you could think of to logically 
work things out. Everything to do with the sense knowledge, everything that just made sense was completely kicked out the door to where all you could stand on was the word in faith. So he removed all sense knowledge. He removed all logic. He removed all of man's wisdom, all of the world's wisdom with respect to how we would expect things to work out to show us how things work out in his system, in his kingdom, in his life. And so think about another example. Let's just think of a modern day example. Let's just say, you know, God has called you to be a billionaire. Not a millionaire, billionaire with a B. And you get excited over that vision and you're like, yes, Lord, let's do it. And as you move forward towards that vision, 40 years old, 40 years old, you know, you're you're living a pretty successful life right now, but then God tells you, oh yeah, I've called you to be a billionaire. Oh man, let's go. And as you move forward, six months later, you're bankrupt. (laughs) Completely bankrupt. Don't have a cent to your name. Your house is about to foreclose. Your car is getting repossessed. And everything that you thought made sense gets kicked out the door, out the window, to where all you can do is stand on the word of God that he gave you and the vision that he showed you of you being a billionaire, even though you don't know how it'll work out. And I'm sure many of us in our journey towards the things that God has you know, call us to do, we may not have had extreme experiences like that, but we've had similar circumstances uh, where, God, I thought you told me, I thought you called me to do this or to do that. Why is this happening? Why am I going through this wilderness? Why am I experiencing all of this torment? This seems completely opposite to what you told me that I'd be doing. And that is why it's so important to Hold on to the vision, but not only the vision, but also the word that God has given you, because God will always give you a word. He will always confirm his word. And so I just wanted to share that with you. And, uh, you know, even people that may be sick, that need healing, exact same thing. Father, your word says, by his stripes, I am healed. You show me that I am healed. I am the healed of the Lord. I see myself healed. But then when I go to the doctor and they tell me my cancer has become even more aggressive. But Lord, I thought you said. And that's where now, like the word says, having done all to stand, we continue to stand. And in the scripture, uh, in addition to 2 Corinthians 4.17, it says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so even though you're going through that wilderness, those difficult circumstances, holding on to the vision of the Lord, you continue to stand, you continue to hold on to it. Why? Because what you're experiencing right now, like the word says, is temporary, temporal. It's subject to change. But what he has given you, that's eternal. That must stand. His word says in Isaiah Chapter uh, 55, verse 11, so shall my word be that go forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and prosper in the thing for which I sent it. And as a matter of fact, even earlier than that in the verses before, he says what? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. 
So as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts and my ways higher than your ways. And so if you thought that your way was my way, guess what? It's not because my way is higher. And so I'm not going to conform to your way. You got to come up to my level. Amen? In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, it also reads, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith be more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so this is, this is the discipline of the vision that God has for us. And so I encourage you guys with that, that uh, as you receive that vision from the Lord, you discipline yourself to really come into alignment with the things that God has for you to move forward in what he's called you to move forward in, because it is important. It is vital. And not only that, but as you do that, then he'll begin to align you to make sure that you are in the position that you need to be to fulfill his calling for your life. He'll develop us, the character, everything. The skills, talents, and abilities, that's the easy part for the Lord. But it's the character that we need to grow in and develop and to sustain the vision and the calling, the purpose that he has for us. And that's what takes work. And so that's why we experience some of the things that we experience. And so that's what I uh, wanted to encourage you guys with uh, today. I know we're getting short on time. Uh, so just to end this off, I want to challenge each of you uh, to not only put some of those practical tips that I mentioned uh, into, into work, uh, but also try this. Uh, and I want you to, to ask the Holy Spirit uh, to give you a, a specific, I like to call it a mission statement uh, from Scripture for your life. If you know a lot of corporations, Fortune 500 corporations, nonprofit organizations, they all have a mission statement uh, for the purpose what they are assigned to do, what they're called to do. Well, I believe just like how we have a mission statement as the church, the Great Commission, we also have our own individual and specific mission statement that God wants to reveal to us. He's given it to me. Uh, mine is in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, as well as Isaiah 58, 12, uh, which I won't go into because we're short on time. But I believe that he has one for each of you guys as well, too. And so if you haven't, then I would encourage you to do that as well, too, uh, because that's something that you can start with. Receive that word, meditate on that, allow him to paint a picture on your heart for that, and you can move forward in that arena. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. So we'll close off in uh, prayer, or do you? Okay, sure. Awesome. Well, thank you, guys. You're a blessing. <laughs>
<laughs> He's doing great. Man, it just, it, but when I first talked to him, he still was so shy about it. And I, I thought, well, maybe he just doesn't know how to do this. <laughs> but I'm going to start learning from him from now on, really. Uh, we got a special blessings coming back on us uh, February 20th, 27th. You don't want to miss that. Jerry Garcia, who's out of Mexico and uh, an international evangelist and moves in the spiritual realm. Um, Jerry discovered something in a point in his life that was really a, a blessing to him. And that he realized that if he was laughing, his whole being would be laughing. You know, and so what he'll do is he'll come in and start to minister and he'll start this laugh. And the next thing you know, it's just like if you, if you want joy, what does the Bible say? You must what? Jump for joy. So you start jumping and all those little endorphins start going wild and you'll be happy. And this is the same way with laughter. And, and he, he just cracks the college up. I mean, you, it's, it's amazing what happens. So I'm just so thankful for all of this and the opportunity to have such absolutely phenomenal people in one church. You guys are an absolute blessing to me. And uh, it's exciting. So let's stand and we'll close. When were we going to do the... The meal is next week. Oh. And if you'll sign up for that out in the foyer, uh, like what you're going to bring, um, then we can all get together and have a meet and greet Sunday. Amen. All right. Father, I, honestly, we just are so thankful for you and your presence in here and the presence of you in the people that are in here. And that, Father God, these are, in, these are people that are called uh, before the foundations of the earth. And Lord, we're just so thankful that we can be part of that group. And Lord, we thank you that you've called us, you've chosen us for this particular time and, and that, Father God, we're going to reach and touch lives in more places than we ever imagined just because of the gifting that you've given us. And Lord, we're opened, we want to learn. Father, we thank you for Andrew. We thank you, Father God, for the awesome message that he gave. And Lord, we just see the power of the Word of God in him in just an amazing way. Thank you, Lord for that and the people that are in this church that are gifted lord we just are just it's just amazing it's it's like just a, a conference every week so father god we just thank you for this church and this the strange foundation is built on and that lord we just have such freedom and joy and we give you that and give you pra praise and all of that in jesus name we pray amen go be nice to somebody oh amen <laughs>